Welcome to Practical Christian Living. The Christian who is thankful is quite different than the Christian who is not. I think the Christian who is thankful gets his direction from God. He, he has his mind set on God. But we live in a world that is not content. We live in a culture that is not content. We live in a culture that feels like things are always wrong and we don't have anything to be thankful for. We can find ourselves following our culture instead of following the direction that we get from God. The Bible tells us to give thanks with a grateful heart. And it's been said, the most powerful prayers are the ones full of thanksgiving. Today on Practical Christian Living, we look at Jesus' encounter with the 10 lepers in our series, Jesus' Appointments. We're talking about obedience, gratefulness, and how important it is to be thankful even when things seem bleak. All right, now with bleak. your Bibles open Luke to Luke 17, chapter 17, verses 11 we're going to be covering verses 1 through 17 Furrow, in our study Calvary, today. Tucson. There's a very specific point in this chapter where these lepers are obedient to the words of Jesus and they are healed as they fulfill those words. There are so many things that happen as we are obedient to what God says. And we'll talk about that here a little bit more. Let's pray. We'll ask God to bless our, our time in the Word. Father, thank you for your Word. Thank you that you have preserved it from generation to generation. Thank you that we can have confidence as we open up our Bibles that what is here is what was said, that we can hear from your Word. And we pray today that as you speak to us, just as these lepers give us an example, you told them what to do as they did it, they were healed. So, Lord, we want to hear what you want from us that we can be obedient. And we thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We're going to be talking today about why we should be thankful people. And I wonder if we examine ourselves honestly enough to really answer that question in the beginning of this study. Or maybe if we would answer that question in the beginning of the study, are you a thankful person? I wonder if you would answer it the same at the end of the study. We find in this text, and I want to read you the text in its entirety to start tonight, and then I want to look at the reasons that we are to be thankful, reasons we have from the scriptures to be thankful, and then I want us to come back and unpack this text. So the first thing that I'm going to do is read it to you Without comment. That's a really hard thing for me to do, but I'm going to do it first of all, and then we're going to come back and we'll unpack it after we talk a little bit about what the Bible has to say about thankfulness. In Luke uh, 17, verse 11, Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourself to the priests. And it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice and glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were not any found who returned to give God glory except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith 
has made you whole. Jesus said, where were the nine? And that is the most poignant part of that passage. And I don't know whether the statistics are right. I don't know if it's 90% of people who aren't thankful. But I've got to say, as I take time to evaluate my own life and whether or not I am thankful enough, I feel like I'm a pretty thankful person to God, but I don't think I am enough. I think as I've studied this today that I have been convicted by it and I hope that you will be as well. Not condemned, right? Because condemnation means, you know, you feel like giving up. I'm such a rotten, horrible person. Not thankful at all. I quit. But convicted means you're convinced that you need to do what's right. Uh, consider, first of all, with me, the opposite of being thankful. I found this on a website called Word Hippo. It's not a Christian website. It simply takes words and shows you if you are this, these are the characteristics. If you're not, these are the characteristics. And so this shows you the characteristics that you have if you are not thankful. And some of them I think are pretty spot on. Some of them I, I don't know. But first of all, ingratitude. Good, opposite of thankfulness, right? Not having gratitude, not being thankful. Thanklessness, again, good. Unappreciation, that you don't appreciate as much what God has given you, our gift that's been given to you. When you thank someone, we taught our daughter that when she had her first baby shower, she needed, when she got married, she needed to write thank you notes for the wedding. Baby showers, you need to write thank you notes for what, what's given. Some of you are going, really? Do you have to? No. Um, but unappreciation, if you're not thankful. Ungratefulness, still makes sense. Apathy, a little interesting. Someone does something really nice for you and you just don't say thank you. There's just an apathy towards what they went out of their way to do. God doing something nice for you and you not being thankful would be apathy. I think it's a good fit. Criticism, I don't know so much about that, maybe. Disapproval, maybe you're disapproving of, of, of what the gift was. Maybe you thought it wasn't enough. Maybe you weren't happy with what it was. I can see that one. Uh, disapproval, disbelief, maybe disbelieving in God. God blesses you and you don't respond to him. Dishonor, that makes sense. Someone does something nice to you and you dishonor them by not being thankful. Disregard, indifference, insensitivity. And I think those last three really fit. And what I do know is that when I read of what the opposite of thankfulness is, that I easily say, I don't want to be that. I want to be the one who was thankful. I do not want to be what, what was the name of the website? What Word Hippo says is the opposite of it. The Christian who is thankful is quite different than the Christian who is not. I think the Christian who is thankful gets his direction from God. He, he has his mind set on God. But we live in a world that is not content. We live in a culture that is not content. We live in a culture that feels like things are always wrong and we don't have anything to be thankful for. We could find ourselves following our culture instead of following the direction that we get from God. I want us to reflect on our own lives to see whether or not we are thankful. It's easy if, if we're not thankful for us to begin to be bitter, for us to feel cheated, for us to feel like life has been unfair and to start centering on ourselves instead of on what God would have us to do. The Bible says that in the last days, perilous times would come. We're doing a new series on Facebook. On, uh, it's actually on YouTube called Hot Topics, where we're just going through different hot topics. Have you guys seen that? 
So we're getting people who are suggesting hot topics now. One of them that I've had suggested on several, several times is, uh, are we in the last days? And that's a perfect hot topic, by the way. It's already, I've already started on it. Are we in the last days? And we might talk about increased earthquakes, increased wars, the raging of seas, these birth pains. But the Bible tells us what man would be like in the last days, what, what the average person in the world would be like in the last days. Listen to 2 Timothy 3, starting in verse 2. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And then here's the kicker. They have a form of godliness, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. These are people that call themselves Christians. And from such a people, turn away. When we become unthankful, we become like men who live in the last days. And did you notice that it said they're unthankful, that these people were not thankful at all? Now, the Bible tells us to be thankful, both in the Old and the New Testament. It tells us a lot to be thankful. Example would be Psalms 107.1, which says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. And you can read literally dozens of passages like that throughout the Old Testament, sometimes over and over again in one psalm. In the New Testament, if we think about God's Word and what God tells us to do, listen to what 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says. In everything, give thanks. In a moment, we're going to talk about Jesus telling the lepers what to do. And as the lepers did what he said, there was power to be healed in that. And so when Jesus tells us what to do in his word, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Not only are we told to do it, but we're told the reason that we are to do it because it's the will of God for us. He wants us to be thankful. As I read through the scriptures, I find at least three reasons that we should be thankful. Number one, James 1:17, that God is giving us all kinds of things. When it talks about sin in James chapter one, it says we are enticed and then we are drawn away. And when it's full grown, there's death. Sin is sin because it has something inherent in it that is wrong. It is immoral in itself. That's sin. It's not sin because God said it was sin. That's a trespass. It's a whole different category. Sin is sin because it is inherently deceptive, destructive, and brings about death. And so at the end of that passage, he says, in contrast to sin, which we, sometimes we think we need, that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. That's James 1.17. Everything that you need, you don't need that sin. You're dead to sin, Romans tells us. But every good and perfect gift has come down from the Father of lights. And if God gives us every good and perfect gift, then we should certainly be thankful to him. I think of Ephesians 3.20, which says that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. That is the God who we serve. And God is so faithful in doing that. I remember when we first started the church in 1985, we had, me and my wife with just Jessica had moved out to Star Pass. There's a little condominium that we rented out there. And uh, 
I, w I would walk out to the little, that little park area in the middle of these condominiums and I would walk out there and I would pray. And I remember in faith, this was my faith. God, if you just bring 300 people to the church, oh God, I'll teach them and I'll love them and I'll, I'll be the best pastor that I can possibly be. And I think back to those days, I think I've God going, okay, yeah, Robert, I'll do that. I'll do that for you. God does so much more than we ever thought. He exceeds our expectations. He does above and beyond whatever we think. And for those reasons, we should be thankful. The second reason that I think we should be thankful is not just that God is giving us things, but that God is working everything in our lives. Every experience that we have, the Bible says that God is working together for our good if we love him and we're called according to his purpose. Are you loved by God? Are you called according to his purpose? Then whatever difficulty, struggle, hard time, good time, anything you face, God is working together for the good. Now, I can be honest, sometimes I've wished that God would just say, I'm going to make everything good for you. But that's not what it says. It says that God causes all things to work together for the good to those who love him. And if God's working all things together for me, then I should be thankful for that. I'm reminded also of Matthew 6.33 that says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given unto you. He's talking about your needs. He says, your father knows what you need before you ask him. And he takes care of the birds. He, he clothes the lilies. And that if you would be about God's business, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then God will be about your business. He'll give you everything that you need. Just like Romans 8, 28 tells us. The third reason that I think that we should be thankful from the word comes from Philippians 4, 6 and 7. That's a passage I think we should all have memorized. And it tells us that God will give us a sound mind. It gives a command. It starts off with a command. Be anxious for nothing. And I'm glad that God doesn't leave it there. Because just saying to me, don't be anxious, makes me anxious. If somebody says, you don't be anxious, you would, why? Is there a reason to be anxious? Why shouldn't I be anxious? God says, be anxious with nothing. But everything in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. There's a reason I know that passage so well, because when I lay down to sleep and I've got something on my mind that keeps me awake, I'm worried about my kids, I'm worried about something at the church, I'm worried about somebody at the church, I'll start to go through that passage. Be anxious about nothing, but everything with prayer and supplication. I'm going to ask you now for this thing that I'm worried about, and I start to pray for them. And then it says with thanksgiving. So I'm able to back up a little bit and start thanking God for all of the things that he has done in my life. Thanking him for how he's moved and what he's done and what he's worked and how he's loved me and how he's called me from the very beginning. And the Bible says, and the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. That God says, if you will do this, then you will not be anxious. That's the way you overcome anxiety. And I believe that if we can keep those things in mind, that we can understand there is reason to be thankful. I understand you may be facing a dark, difficult time. I understand that you may be facing the darkest of your days, but there's still means to be thankful. There's still reasons to be thankful for all that God has done. Let's turn to the text. Let's unpack this a little bit. In verse 11, it says, now it happened as he went to Jerusalem. This is near the end of his ministry and he's on his way back up to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. He had already met some Samaritans. He met the woman at the well and he spent a couple of days with the people that came out to meet her. 
The Samaritans, you remember, were a different people group. And there was a prejudice between the people who lived in Israel than the Samaritans. They didn't worship the same. They didn't look the same. They weren't the same people. They didn't have the same politics. But the Lord said to the woman at the well, one day people will worship God in spirit and in truth. And all of those differences don't mean anything. So he goes through Samaria and parts of the Galilee. And then he entered a certain village. And there he met 10 men who were lepers. And let's just for a moment consider what these men have gone through. They have an infectious disease, highly infectious. They are quarantined. They're told by the law that if anybody gets too close to them, that they have to cry out unclean. They have to cover their beards and they have to cry out unclean, unclean. Can you imagine what that must have been like? From the first time that these 10 men individually discovered a white spot on the end of their finger or maybe felt it on the end of their nose or felt it on their ear. And they went to the priest and they said, there's something here. And the priest told them it was leprosy and that they had to remove themselves from the people. They could never hug their children again. They could never hug their spouse again. They would be completely isolated. We can relate to that some, huh? We come into this place. We're so used to showing our love by embracing. Some of you haven't even stopped doing it. You're still doing it. Even though we know that we're living in a precarious time. Well, these men couldn't hug their families, but they found community together. Isn't that interesting? These 10 lepers were together. They found that community. Maybe there was safety in numbers. Maybe there was security in numbers. Certainly there was companionship in numbers. And you also can fellowship with people who have gone through the same thing you've gone through. These men had life experiences. And I'll take it that not all of them were Samaritans because Jesus makes a reference to this one being a, a foreigner, that these were people that had, to, had their lives go through this. Their worlds were turned upside down. Their life turned on a dime. It was going one direction. They probably never thought it could take place until suddenly it changed. And it says they stood at a far off, and we understand why, because they can't get close. But these lepers had no doubt heard that Jesus had healed a leper. This is near the end of his ministry. In the beginning of his ministry, one of the first miracles that he does, he gives that great sermon on the Sermon on the Mount. Starts with the Beatitudes and ends with, if you build your house on the rock, the winds and the rain are going to beat against it, but it's going to stand. And then he walks down, and there's a leper at the bottom. And Jesus reaches out, and touches that leper. It's not the only leper that he heals. And news must have circulated in the leper communities. I can't imagine that it didn't, that a leper had been healed. We know there were blind men as Jesus went by who cried out for help just knowing that Jesus was passing by. So these lepers cried out at a distance and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. The end of verse 13. That's simply their prayer. Have mercy on us. Again, God knows what we need before we even ask him. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. I, I found it interesting when I study the miracles of Jesus that he never prays, that he usually commands. But even at times like this, he doesn't even give a command. The command he gives is not to the leprosy at all. The, he does it different all the time. And, and I got to tell you, I'm glad for that as well. I'm glad that Jesus doesn't work the same way because we would think that we have to work in methods. 
If the Bible says, and then Jesus laid his right hand on them and then he prayed and they were healed, that is exactly how we would do healings. But they're all different. Even when they're similar, they're different. We have one blind man, he spits on the ground and rubs mud in his eye. We have another blind man that he spits in his eyes and then takes dirt and rubs them in his eye. And I got to think, if you're the blind man, by the time you've been spit on and had mud rubbed in your eyes, maybe, maybe I shouldn't have done this. And Jesus says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And you're like, no problem. <laughs> I have no problem being obedient to what you're saying now. I'm going to get this spit mud out of my eyes. But he simply gives them a command to go. Go show yourself to the priest. And so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. As they were obedient to the word of God, God worked in their lives. And I got to think, that this is the verse that, though this is the verse that stands out to me the most, I've got to think that this is such a powerful application that God gives us all kinds of directions on how we're supposed to live. And if we would be obedient to those things, God tells us about how we are to live in our marriages. God tells us how we're supposed to treat people. God doesn't tell us who to marry. If you're single, you may have flipped through your Bible hoping to point to a name, you know, Rachel or Leah or something. So God would tell you who to marry. God, God doesn't tell us what car to drive, except if you have a Honda Accord and they were all in one Accord, the Bible says. It's funny, it still gets, after 35 years, it still gets laughs. And that's why I keep saying that stupid joke. Doesn't tell you what kind of car to drive. Doesn't tell you what city to live in. Doesn't tell you who you're going to marry. You've got to pray and you've got to seek God. and You've got to make a prayerful decision on those things but the Bible will tell you how to live in that marriage. And I believe that if you will be obedient to those things, you know, the Bible says women respect your husbands. And I think there's something about men that we need to be respected. Some women are like, yeah, but you don't deserve it. You don't know my husband you deserve respect, but there's something about respect given that men need. Not saying they don't need love as well. And there's something about women that they need love. And so the Bible says, well, husbands love your wives. Women respect your husbands. And as we find ourselves in obedience, doing what God says, th there's a power that comes with it. And that could be applied to any promise God has given us or anything God has said to us, like be thankful for all things, for this is God's will for you. If we go away doing what he said, there is power in the command. I don't know what it's going to be, but God blesses those of us who are obedient to him. And so as they go, they are healed. And then in verse, verse 15, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, all, all 10 of them were healed and just kept going to the priest. But one of them, when he saw he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. Can you see the emotion there? With a loud voice, he glorifies God. His whole life has just been turned right side up. He has met the Savior and he has cleansed him. And he fell down on his face at his feet gave him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And this is important because in other places around this in Luke, we're seeing the kingdom of God is being transferred from the Jews because they've rejected him over to those in the highways and the byways. And there's no one more in the highways and the byways than a Samaritan leper. And then he says, were there not 10 cleansed? But where are the nine? That's got to be one of the most powerful questions of Jesus. Are we so much a product of our culture that we're like the nine, that God can do something 
miraculous for us and we can walk away forgetting what he's done. We pray that the Lord is speaking to you in a personal way here at Practical Christian Living. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, Calvary Tucson is open and holding physical services while being mindful of social distancing guidelines. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service online at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living Radio has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or have questions about salvation? Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson and Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living Sunday mornings at 8.30 on Kagan 9 TV. May we walk worthy while we wait for the return of our Savior. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living.